As warrior dads, we got to tackle a lot of things, but tackling low testosterone levels should definitely not be one of them. Uh, we need to keep our testosterone at peak levels, and that is absolutely crucial for all of us. So I'm sure you know all the horrible things associated with low T levels. If you don't, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, it's Google search away. But unfortunately, testosterone levels in men have been consistently decreasing over the last two decades. And it's actually one of the biggest conversations I have to have when working with men, which is why I decided to create the Warrior Dads Testosterone Booster Guide and Checklist. It's a free download. And all you have to do is go to checklist.warriordads.com. Uh, just download it, start, start implementing it, and start to feel the difference. So again, go to checklist.warriordads.com and get your free copy now. Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dad's mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartomey, and this is the Warrior Dad's Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Warrior Dad's Podcast. Uh, today, I have Aubrey Huff joining me for the podcast, so um, I'm really excited about that. Aubrey is a two-time World Series winner. He has a total of 13 years of Major League Baseball experience playing for the Devil Rays, Astros, Orioles, Tigers, and finally the Giants until he retired in 2012. He has two boys of the ages of 10 and 8 and does his very best to, to be the dad that he didn't have growing up, so he's got a lot to share today and i think you guys are going to really like his story um some of his experiences and what he's doing with his current boys um like i said to be that to be that father figure in their life so aubrey welcome to the warrior Jim, it's a pleasure being on man thanks for the invite man absolutely appreciate appreciate you reaching out um so i mean i I pretty much summed it up in the uh, in the intro, but is there anything else that you just want people to know about you? Right well, yeah, off the bat? I really don't claim being a Detroit Tiger. That was one of the most miserable experiences <laughs> of my life. So if you want to go ahead and edit that out in the intro, that'd be great. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh. no, but uh, no, man. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm retired from baseball seven years ago, and in 2012, two-time champ, and. You know, it's. I think uh, what a lot of people don't realize is when professional athletes get out, it's a it's a tough transition. And uh, you know, I was lucky enough to have my two boys to fall back on and, and raise them. I, I'd like to think that um, if I didn't have my boys, I don't know where I'd be. You know, it'd be one of those things where mm -hmm. I think I'd be lost in the dark. You know, I, I got divorced last year, and and um, I mean, without them, my life would have been absolutely dark. So, you know, I before I had my kids, you know, you you you'll just live for yourself. You know, you live for mm -hmm. the glory, you live for your dreams, and then you have kids and you really realize, man, just what love really is. So, you know, it's a, that's my biggest mission on this planet now, now that, I'm re now that uh, I have my boys and I'm retired is my biggest job. And it's not only just a job, it's a pleasure is to raise my two boys who are 10 and eight and coach all their little league games and their sports games, basketball, all that good stuff. And it's just, it's really, it's really sure. helped me get into a very, very, positive place in my life that's awesome so i want to i want to ask you then so you had you had your oldest boy who's now 10 years old you had him while you were playing yeah it's, it's really interesting because they both have cool stories that i love to tell them when i was in uh in baltimore in 2008 uh, my wife bobby gave birth to my son who uh you know obviously like you said he's 10 years old but that season with the orioles in 2008 when he was born it was one of the most amazing although we sucked as a team um <laughs> one of the most amazing statistical seasons for me personally i think i hit like 311 with 34 homers 107 rbis i won the the uh designated hitter award over david ortiz which is hard to do and uh so i got that yeah. silver slugger as a dh and that's silver, like one yeah, of the, the most silver slugger, yep. hitters in baseball being a designated hitter so i tell my son all the time you are good luck my friend you brought me great luck in 2008 and then in 2010, my youngest son was born, and needless to say, I think everybody knows it's a Giants fan. We won the World Series in 2010, and I had a, 
unbelievable year with those guys. Pretty much led the team offensively in pretty much every category and, and uh, was seventh in the league in MVP voting. So both of those kids have very unique stories about their dad bragging rights. Bragging rights. Yeah, I think Jack, <laughs> my, well, my, my youngest son is, uh, I'd rather not mention their names. I almost slipped there, but um, he's got a little bit more of the bragging rights for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, the World Series over the Silver Slugger. But, you know, don't take anything away from the first that's one right, either. Right. <laughs> um, so so what so you you got divorced after you you retired is is that was that like a sudden thing was that just you know you um, know um i mean because i almost feel like it's harder at, while you're playing right with how many games you're away and um you know not being well, home as much but then it's like you retire you're playing because i think as athletes we're wired a different way to provide and we're on the road half the time and you know and as we're playing for the game, our wives at the time are so used to us being gone all the time and, and having their independence. And, and uh, as we're on the road, they have their independence. We have ours. And then what happens is we get out of the game and then we go through this epic battle in our heads of struggle and trying to find meaning and identity and purpose again outside of baseball. And um, I think sometimes we can be at, ho- at home too much and drive our wives crazy. Mm. And in turn, they, they so, cause you're the trying to plug to into what? Well, so, you know, I, I'm actually yeah. uh, actually in my own podcast now, and the the basis of the podcast is bringing on a lot of ex athletes, a lot of people in the entertainment industry that have transitioned out of that limelight and the struggles they face. I mean, eighty percent of the the um, professional athletes that retire end up getting divorced. Eighty percent, man. I mean, that's thirty percent more than the general population. So obviously, there's a big disconnect there, and. Uh, a little bit more of awareness needs to come to those people that have uh, been fortunate enough to play in professional sports or whether you're an entertainer or a singer or, a, or an actor. So um, it's my, it's my uh, passion to go on my podcast and start talking to people and bringing awareness to it. Wow. 80%. 80%. That's, that's a staggering. Well, statistic. I will say this though. I mean, you know, even though, even though it's a heartbreaking time for uh you know, if you're a professional male athlete, the, the woman, you know, walks off pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you're uh, so, right. You know, it's not, it's not all sad for, for the parties, but uh, anyway, that's just, that's a little bit. So what's the split right now? Here nor there. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the split right now between you and your oh, ex-wife? Actually, to be quite honest boys. with you, I, me and my ex-wife are in a great place. We uh, have great, uh, great relationship. We go to dinner twice a month with our kids and we sit next to each other at their sporting events. We, we consistently, you know, uh, talk with each other. And it's probably better now than when we're married. And we're both 50-50 custody, you know. Neither one of us, um, wow. you know, for those listening out there, neither one of us cheated. Um, it was just one of those things where you get out of the game and grew apart um, and just didn't make it, man. And I think just like I mentioned yeah. earlier, you, you just – I think you're just so used to a certain lifestyle and then you smother each other and you just want different things in life. And, you know, whether or not – um, you know, you make it is, I think, a lot to do with just how much you communicate and how much you're being willing to be vulnerable uh, to each other. And as professional athletes, being vulnerable is not our forte. And I've mm-hmm. learned how to do that in this last couple of years of struggle I've had, um, you know, through the divorce. And I think a lot of sometimes God and the universe, whatever you want to call it, but I happen to be a Christian myself, works in mysterious ways. And uh, to mm-hmm. be able to open up something in a dark situation has allowed me to open up my podcast, be vulnerable and, and be a little bit more fulfilled in my life as far as sharing my story and, and how I can help others. You know, I think that's a pretty common theme. Like, you're, you know, you're saying among, among athletes, but I think it's just a really more common theme amongst men. 1, 000, too, 1, right? I mean, and, you know, about, about that vulnerability, right. You know, whether it, and, and being vulnerable doesn't necessarily, you know, mean maybe you can clarify, but, I, when I always think of vulnerability, maybe some of the words or the, the, the characteristics I think of being vulnerable, of course, are crying, right? And so it doesn't necessarily have to be the only way that you make yourself vulnerable, but just opening up and having some of those conversations that men don't really like to have, right? right? So so what's what's one thing, because now you're saying it's really, really prevalent among um, – professionals right whether it be like you said uh sports sports player or an actor or some kind of entertainer but it doesn't necessarily have to be that so if somebody's listening who doesn't have that background but maybe they're really resonating with what you're saying 
and they have the exact same thing going on. What's one thing that really helped you be more vulnerable? Well, um, and, and to, to open up to kind of change that relationship. Well, I think for me, uh, I don't know how many of your listeners know much about my story, but uh, I suffered mightily after uh, retiring from baseball with anxiety and depression. And um, I think a lot of that, as I look back at it, is a residual effect of not being vulnerable. And to show that as professional athletes, you're taught to put this warrior face on, not let any fear or doubt or in, in, into anybody's psyche. I mean, if that pitcher looks at you, you have any kind of fear, you're dead. And so it's hard to turn mm-hmm. that off going home in your family life. And I think as I've gotten, you know, out of the game and my marriage has failed, I look back at the time and I look back at all the things that I didn't say to my wife, I wish I would have. And I have a really, really good friend in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. He's my best friend in the world. And we always had this saying in the past where, you know what? I hate it when guys say my wife is my best friend. That's just such BS because I wouldn't tell my wife the things I tell you. And then I think to myself, yeah, you're right. But as I look back at it now, I think that was my biggest mistake. I didn't talk to my wife like she was my best friend. You know, I, I, I wasn't vulnerable to her. I didn't because I was ashamed. I was trying to be the man. I was trying to be tough and uh, the provider, the protector. But there was inside internally things that were bothering me that I wouldn't let out because I'm afraid that she would look at me as, you know, weak. And not being able to support uh-huh. the family. And so I just bottled that up. And hence, I don't think she thought the communication was there. And I didn't feel the communication was there. And I wasn't being myself. And hence, there comes the anxiety and depression. So my thing is, yeah, you don't have to, like, snuggle up to your wife in bed and whisper sweet nothings in her ear every night and cry like a baby. No, that's not being a real man. But be, be yeah. honest with her. And, and, you know, as you're going about your day, I'm like, listen, honey, work was tough today. And, you know, uh, I got to tell you, I don't know how much longer I really want to do this or just, you know, I don't think a lot of guys want to do this. They don't want to scare their wives or what have you. you yeah. know? And, and uh, sometimes I think a good, honest talking, even if it's difficult, is necessary. Now, you mentioned depression. I know you had a little bit of a struggle with um, with some addiction, too, right? One thousand percent. Yeah, I think that has a lot. That's a Adderall. I think that's a stem of not being uh, confident myself growing up as a young man. So. Um, you know, we can touch on that a little later in the show as well, but, um, well, we might as well go right into it since we're here. Um, when I was six years old, my father was, uh, an electrician in Abilene, Texas. And I, mm-hmm. I was six years old watching, uh, the transformers, like the Optimus prime, I think at the time was beating the piss out of, uh, Megatron, like he always does. <laughs> and I remember my yeah. mom walking into the door and she was just in full tears, red faced tears. My grandma and grandma, grandma and grandpa at the time, I was staying at their house on their couch while she was working. And they meet her at the door and they just start hugging and crying. I was like, what's going on? They circle around me and told me my father had just been shot, uh, murdered in Abilene, Texas at an apartment complex. He was trying to break up a domestic dispute between a a young man and his uh, wife in the apartment complex that he worked at. And the guy got mad at my dad for trying to break it up. Intervened. He, the the killer, shot his wife in cold blood. My dad jumped on him, um, wrestled him around. This woman came out yelling. The manager. He pushed her out of the way. My dad got up, pushed her out of the way as he was going to shoot her. The bullet missed her as he pushed her in and shut the door. My dad started running out the front door of the apartment complex, and the killer came up right behind him as he's running away and shot him in the back of the head in cold blood. Oh my and gosh. then the killer just takes off around two blocks. A uh, off do- off-duty cop heard the shots, followed him, uh, and arrested him. He's doing life in prison. And so, you know, I grew up without a father in, in Dallas, Texas area. And, you know, in Texas, I didn't have a nobody. Nobody was there to throw the football with me. Nobody was there to throw the baseball with me. I didn't go camping. And, you know, you don't play football in Texas. You grew up, you kind of, you're kind of an outcast. And so I grew up really insecure. I grew up really afraid. Um, and a diehard mama's boy. And my mom did a great job raising me, but I was raised by her. And that, and I don't think a, a kid, any boy, should be grown up without a, a father. And I think that's the epidemic we have in our society today where so many fathers are either A, dead, or even worse, they're absent from their lives. And, and uh-huh. so, and... Uh, Maybe not even physically, but no, mentally checked out, right? They come I mean, home after work, they throw a beard on, smoke a cigarette, watch TV all night, and they're not in, engaged in their kids' life. So I know the effects, the, uh, the, the residual 
outcome of what happens to, to kids without fathers. So with my boys now, that is 100 million percent my job now is to be the father I was unable to have for my boys. Now, what do you say to somebody who looks at you, successful baseball player, two-time World Series champion, and says, well, look at how he turned out? Uh, for one, one, I actually want to know what your reaction is to something like that. If someone were to turn around and say, well, you know, you know you're talking about the importance of fatherhood, and this kid didn't have a, anybody to throw the ball around with, and he goes on to be a successful baseball player, and look at how successful he turned out. One, what's the feeling that you get when you hear something like? Because obviously you're passionate. Well, right? I, I, I'm, I'm and pretty. You're, you're making it your life's mission to make sure that your boys grow up with that father figure, and you're coaching their teams. You're connected with them. It sounds like so. W- w- what goes through your head, and what what would a response like? Well, that I be get a lot of some kind of negative. I get a lot of people. I'm pretty yeah. active on Twitter and and uh, social media, Instagram. I'm a very conservative guy by nature. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I get a lot of heat from some of the tweets I throw out and some of the Instagram posts I make. And, and um, excuse me, I'm going to walk outside here. It's getting a little loud in the gym for everybody. So I'm outside right now. You still hear me all right? Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. And so um, you know, I get a lot of these posts where I'm just expressing my opinion. I think a lot of us have our opinions. And we live in a society today where, you know, if you have certain beliefs, people unfriend you on Facebook or whatever. And it's just ridiculous. I, I, I don't I don't try to subscribe to or try to make other people to believe what I believe in, but I'm unafraid in talking about how what I believe in and you know my faith and you know my love for God and country and and uh, you know I get a lot of these people on on Twitter or whatever just you know hey Aubrey your uh, your white privilege is showing I'm like what and I tell people what's one example of that well what's one, what's one of the most recent examples so I you can on think Twitter of and made a video um, a recent example was the uh, Boston Red Sox said half the team refused to go to the White House the other half did and and it's this is just it just I, that was a straw that broke the camel's back I'm just so sick of hearing about all these teams that refused to go now you know I went to the White House once when in 2010 after we won the World Series and and uh, you know I, I wasn't I didn't vote for Obama. I wasn't a fan of his. I went anyway because I wanted to experience the rich history of our nation. And that's what I said in my Twitter video. And uh, basically, you know, I didn't call anybody out. I was just, you know, stating what I believed in. And there was nothing mm-hmm. racist about it. There was nothing about it that was bad. And But everybody came out of the woodworks and perceived what they thought I meant, which was I'm a racist, I'm a bigot, and all this stuff. And it was just ridiculous. And so, you know, that was one of the recent examples. And, you know, the white privilege is showing. And what I try to tell people all the time, man, is like, listen, I grew up in a double wide trailer park, which is like, is, is, which is really rough on a kid with no dad who was murdered at six years old. I had every excuse in the world to play the victim and all this stuff. And I still was able to go to the, go to the big leagues and, and live my dream because I didn't, ma- I didn't play that victim card and use that as an excuse to not be successful. And I think a lot of people in society today, they, they use their past as, as excuses to, to, or, and, and where are other people out that have been successful because they're afraid. And that's a lot of what I speak on in my podcast as well. You know, let's, let's, let's get rid of this uh, victim mentality we all seem to have. And the minute we do that, we're free to do what we love. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm not a divisive guy by any means, but I will stand up for myself and I will stand up for what I believe in. And so, um, you know, it's gotten me in trouble in the past, but I don't care. That's, that's uh, who I am, and, and I feel like I'm, I'm lying to myself, and I'm lying to my spirit when I try to censor myself, and I just won't do that. Yeah. No, I, hey, man, I I'll do for that, and, I, and maybe it's just ignorance, but I'm trying to think as you're talking. It's like, what, what are you talking like, – who's, who's saying that you're playing the race card? And obviously, maybe I don't, I don't have the full context of it because I didn't see the video or the post, but it's like, well, how – by you saying that you don't really agree with the, 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 the ball – who was it again? The uh, Padres didn't go to the White House. No, it was the Red Sox. The oh, Red yeah. Sox. They didn't go to the White House. What does that have anything to do with, with race? <laughs> right, right. Well, that's the, that's the problem with Twitter. And most of those comments came from Twitter, and you don't know who they are. And that's what I love yeah. about Twitter. You can have the Twitter tough, strong fingers, and that's uh, with a fake identity. See, I, I'm very, uh, you know, once you have the little blue check mark thingy on your Twitter. That is you, and everybody knows it. But if you're just some random Joe with three followers, you can say whatever you want. And for the, for the majority right. of those people, that's you know who fire at you, you know. And and um, yeah. it doesn't hurt my feelings. I, I to be honest with you, Jim, I kind of enjoy those kind of conversations. I'm a very sarcastic, 
witty guy. I grew up in a, in a clubhouse uh, pretty much my whole life. And if, if you don't have thick skin in a clubhouse and uh, be able to, to wear guys <laughs> out because they wear you out, then you're not going to make it. So um, I yeah. enjoy those kind of comments. I love to talk back. And, you know, my whole thing is like if you can't dish out a comment, if you can't take it, don't you dish it out. And most of them can't. <laughs> right, right. Man, just, I don't know. I'm not very active on Twitter. I don't really even understand Twitter fully. And um, I know there's people that swear by it, but I, I don't know. I, I'm actually still not even, I'm 35 years old and I still don't really like, you know, social media that much. And I just really can't stand the way it's being used. And, you know, now, now you have people, because I feel like people focus on such the wrong right. stuff, right? There's so many more things that we could be focusing on or, you know, putting our energy into instead of, like on Facebook now you can hit like and it's been around for a little while now, but you know, you can hit like, you can hit love, uh, you can give the uh, laugh emoji icon or whatever, you can give a sad face, angry face. I'm like, what? Because now you have people saying, Well, they didn't they didn't they only liked my post, they didn't love it or they didn't laugh <laughs> at it. I'm like you know, Mark Zuckerberg should be ashamed of putting that out there if he's the one who invented that. Because I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You're giving more, people more things to focus on on the social well, media. Well, I gotta be honest, Jim. I, I, ridiculous. I, hate I hate social media, but you know, I think if you're promoting a business nowadays or, or you're trying to do podcasting like which we both are, I think it's an absolute necessity to have it. Um and, it is and, because because the people's that's where people's 1, attention are. So from a marketing well, perspective. The young generation. And you know, yeah. you know, I yeah, you're right. I want to punch Mark Zuckerberg in the face for, for actually I want to punch uh, <laughs> Steve Jobs for making not a touch phone. But <laughs> the iPhone, right, 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 yeah. But uh, you know, it is a necessary part of, of our world and what what has happened, especially in the last, you know, few years, I well, yeah, I would say even the last five years, is social media has become a weapon. And um, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's a silent weapon, you know, it doesn't kill anybody. Well, that's not true, actually. Well, that's yeah. Not, yeah that's I not mean true. some of these young kids are committing suicide over cyberbullying and, and uh, Facebook and Twitter. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, my yeah. boys, you know, since we're talking about, a, a, you know, being a father, my boy's 10 and he's begging everybody, you know, and I live here in Solana Beach, California, where it's, you know, it's, it's uppity uppity here at times. And I'm a Texas boy at heart. And, you know, I feel like I'm trapped here in California, but my ex-wife loves it. So, but that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, uh, you know, all their, all their friends are 10. They got the new iPhone 10 S and, you know, they're the whole deal. And, mm -hmm. you know, my ex and I are in agreement. Listen, you're not getting a freaking iPhone 10 S for a thousand dollars. He's got a little flip phone. They can send texts, texts and calls only, no, no smartphone mm -hmm. or whatever, just in, for emergencies. But you know, we told him you get in high school. All right. Maybe you will think about an iPhone, but right now you gotta, you're, you're just going to be a kid. And you're not going to get on this social media in junior high where all these girls and boys are talking trash behind your back. And I told them, I, I've told both of them, I tell them this all the time. If you ever have anybody talking trash, whether it's online to you, uh, behind your back, and I want you to walk up to them, tell them not to do it. If they continue to do it, I want you to walk up to them. I don't care where you are. If you're at school, punch them right in the nose. And mm -hmm. uh, they're like, what? What if I get suspended? I'm like, well, if you get suspended, we'll go on a first class trip to Hawaii, boys. Because I mean that that's gonna stop that bullying bullshit right there, and you know absolutely. What I mean? So that's where I that's that's where I draw the line. Listen, I'm I'm tired of the go tell the teacher thing. You want you want to get your kid punched and picked on more? Go tell the teacher. Go tell the principal. Or if you want to handle it right then and there, punch a bully in the mouth, and he will become your best friend. And I have a great example. Yeah. Of that. Well, well, when I was a kid, I was uh, eight years old, and I had this guy that went to my school he's probably nine years probably great older than me and i had just gotten a new dog and um the dog was everything to me obviously my dad passed away the dog was a boy he was like the only male in my life <laughs> so i fell, fell in love with this dog and every day we're going to the bus stop this uh this boy i'm gonna take your dog that's my dog i'm gonna keep that dog i'm gonna steal it. it's gonna be my dog and he was dead serious and i'm like no 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 and it just bothered me for weeks and weeks and then finally, one day he goes at the bus, say, I'm coming today to get your dog. Book it. And I'm like, oh, no. So I'm at, I'm at home after school, and my grandpa happens to be over at my house. I was my mom's working. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm in my room, and I hear this voice. It was like that movie from Troy where you hear uh, Brad Pitt yell, Hector! Hector! Yeah. <laughs> right? Standing outside yeah, the gate. I yeah. hear this kid. His name was Justin out of my road. Aubrey, 
oh, Bria, I'm here for your dog. You know, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm in my room crying. My grandpa comes in. He goes, what is that guy out there doing? Who is that kid, boy? My grandpa's a diehard Texas boy. He's like 6'4", massive. And he, mm-hmm. I told him the story. My grandpa said, son, if you don't go out there right now, stand up to that bully and punch him right in the mouth, he'll be doing that forever. And you'll never feel good about yourself. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to do it, grandpa. He goes, get out there, boy. And I was just terrified, terrified. But I did it anyway to make my grandpa <laughs> proud, even if I knew I was going to get my butt kicked. Did you know how to punch? Not really. <laughs> Never been a fight in my life. But, you know, I was a pretty right. big kid. And actually, I was probably bigger than this kid. But he was a year older. And I was just scared. I was a mama's boy. And uh, I walked out there. He was, like, talking trash on the way. Where's my dog? Where's my dog? As I get closer to something, and I look back at my grandpa. He's looking out the window and just gives me the nod. And as I walked up to him, I clenched my fist. And I punched him as hard as I possibly could right in the nose. The kid falls down. He looks me in the eyes he's holding his nose with blood coming down his nose and he and i'm thinking he's gonna pop up and come get me he just goes you're you're gonna pay for that and runs off my, i walk back to my grandpa his chest out my chest is out it was in that moment i felt like a man and he gives me the biggest hug he had never given me in his life and i felt so proud the next day at school that kid justin comes up to me with his black and blue nose he says hey man hey i just you want to be friends? <laughs> wow. you know, to this day, we still talk to this day. So, kids out there. Do kids, you really? You absolutely. still talk to this day? He's, he's like, uh, he's, we talk quite often. And, and uh, you know, so, you know, dads out there, kids out there, man, take up for yourself. And we, it, we, that we've lost that edge. We've lost that. That's like a little right. To, that's like a little right of passage. 1,000%. Right I say that because I experienced it. So, there mm-hmm. you go. Wow. You know, it's, it's so funny you know, about the, the kid be wondering whether, well, what if I, what if I get suspended? You know, it, it's like the kids are more afraid to get in trouble at school than they are at home. But years ago, you know, I can remember hearing stories from my parents, if they messed up at school and the principal or their teacher called home or wrote a letter or something like that, they would get whooped at home. So they were more scared of the beating that the kids would be more scared of the beating that they'd get at home than they did in you school. Kidding me? Because we, they, we because to, they screwed up we at school. We used to get beat by the principal. At school. Oh, I've heard stories like that. So, well, I mean, my, I think my dad and my mom growing up, they went to Catholic school. So they'd get the, the, the wooden ruler across the knuckles or something like that. We would get the paddle with the holes in it and the principal would beat us in the principal's office. And that's, and that's growing up in Texas. That's how we grew up. And today, if if that happens today, you're, you're getting, you're, you're, the principal's fired. He's in jail for child abuse, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean. I think we're, we're raising an entire generation of, of weaklings. And I, and I hate to say that because there's so many great kids out there. Like, like I said, I live in Southern California, and I coach a lot of baseball teams, and I see a lot of kids that, that are in the we, – we practice in like 80 degrees here, and they're like burning up, getting cramps. Like, oh, my, my leg is cramping up at eight or nine years old. And they're like, I'm, I'm so hot. And I'm like, what in the world? And then I go to Texas to visit my mom in Houston during the summer, and these kids are in full football gear in 100-degree weather, just grinding it out with no excuses. It's a completely mm-hmm. different area. I don't know what it is out here in the West Coast, but just kids here seem to be a little bit softer than the kids in the South. Interesting. I do agree that society as a whole, definitely weaker. You know, weaker physically, weaker mentally, weaker emotionally. However, I, I still wouldn't want my son's principal hitting him. You know what I mean? If, if someone's going to discipline my kid, I feel like it's me. You know what I mean? Especially if, like, you know, using a paddle or something like that. I don't know. I feel like the kid's defenseless. And I'm like, I've never, I never had that experience, but I feel like, you know what? You're going to get yours when I get older, man. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would feel. If I, would, I wouldn't mind if my, if doing my something kid like acted, that to me. If my kid but, acted up in school, hey, principal whacked him a couple times. Eh, so be it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, but I like, taking the fear i do like taking the fear out of the child and not worrying about the repercussions they're going to get at school whether it's a principal or their teacher or they're going to have to show up for detention or they get suspended god forbid whatever it is like who cares about that you have to deal if i'm okay with it and i'm telling you it's fine then i'll deal with your principal i'll deal with your teacher but if i know you did the right thing for the right reason then you're all good in my book type deal you know and that's that's kind of the way i look at it for my son and i've told him that before too you know, someone's messing with you on the playground or something like that. Like, hopefully everybody's getting along. Everybody's doing the right thing. Um, but if someone's acting up or someone's, you know, picking on you, you you do whatever you got to do. 
but you don't start it, you know, and you, right. don't, you don't, you don't, you, know, you don't, you, you, you don't beat the instigator. You don't beat the that's bully. Right. You don't start it, but you if, finish it. And what I always tell, tell my boys, cause my boys are pretty big for their size. I mean, both of them for their school, they're probably about six inches taller than, than any kid in their class. And I said, listen, Oh, wow. That's oh, they're, they're giants. And, uh, especially at yeah, that age, 10 yeah, and eight. My, I mean, that's, that's significant. My oldest is a pretty good basketball player. My youngest has daddy's swing. He's going to be the baseball guy, but you know, I tell them all the time at school, listen, just don't take up for yourself. If you see somebody getting picked by somebody older, take up for them too. You know, be a, be, be a leader, not a follower. Go out there and, you know, don't, don't let bullies, you know, pick on kids younger than them. You guys are big kids, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, and, and, but I, I will say this, we do live in a, in a society and in schools where they're getting shot up constantly. It's scary out there. So you don't, you don't know who to step to and you just don't know who's going to bring a gun to school and, you know, I, I don't know. It's a different culture than it used to be. We used to handle our, our uh, problems as kids with our fist. And mm-hmm. that, that, that was it. Now it's you have to worry about somebody bringing a gun or a knife to school. And it's just it's kind of scary. It is. It really is. I mean, we had um, speaking of Twitter, we had someone reach out to our superintendent in our school district and threaten to shoot up the schools. And they didn't specify which school, so they shut down every single school in our district. And it was uh, someone in Canada. And they arrested them. The FBI got involved. They arrested them. And um, nothing really came of it because it was kind of an empty threat. But, you know, they did shut down the schools for, for a day and then had police on, on the property for, you know, a week or so. So it is really crazy. But, you know, back to what you were saying, it's just handled differently. You know, you have, you have a little argument. You, you know, a couple fists are thrown your friends your friends the next day yeah 1000 you know? um you shake hands and you have respect for each other and then it's it's all good so yeah it is it is different you know my son and i we do we both do jujitsu so my son is a little bit smaller i think he's going to hit a growth spurt at some point and 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 get to be bigger i mean i'm i'm like 5'11 and my wife's about 5'7 so she's a little taller than the average woman so hopefully He's going to be like six one or something like that. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> but you, I mean, but you're you're tall, right? You're six like six. I, I'm six. I'm six four, four about two thirty. Um, yeah. So two thirty. Okay, so you're a big guy yeah. too. So that's where you you know your sons probably get yeah. it from. But um, you know, it's yeah. I tell I tell my son the same thing. You know, you're not you're not going to be the person that laughs on the side if you see someone getting bothered. You know, you're gonna you know, go over and help them out, you know, go over and do the right thing, be that leader. So I, I love, I love everything that you're teaching your boys. Cause it's, it's really in line with, you know, what I, what I'm teaching my son. He's, and he's six, he'll be seven right. next month. Well, so I, 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 a little younger than your I boys. You, man, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm, I guess you call me a diehard traditionalist and, you know, I, 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 I just think we live in a world society, educational wise, where I think a lot of our boys, especially are, are being feminized. In, in this culture we live in. And, and, uh, and, and it's one of those things where I tell my boys, I mean, I mean, not, we listen, the majority of teachers are female and that's, and I get it, but you know, we li- I, I think it's such a dangerous time in our country when, you know, boys at eight to 10, whatever it is, we're, we're a little bit more rambunctious at that age than girls are. And that's natural. And as a guy that's taken pills before Adderall, Ritalin himself, all these things, they're pumped. They're giving these kids these pills like Skittles because they're being disruptive in class. Now, it's not because they, they have ADD, HD or whatever. Some might, but the overwhelming majority of them are just being kids. And we're, we're dumbing mm-hmm. these kids down with medication just so they'll be quiet in class. And that's just not right. And, and I think that's no. a system of control that we're, you know, our little boys are being taught to shut up in class and just sit there. And that's not in our nature. You know, it's just not how boy, we're, we're meant to be aggressive. We're meant to be a little bit more rambunctious and competitive and and uh that's just we're meant to play you know cowboys and indians and all these awesome games to be warriors and we're just that's in our dna and that is being stripped Uh away from kids from from the educational system pe is being taken out recess is being taken out it's just and then they expect these kids to sit there and be quiet so i just don't agree with a lot of what's going on yeah i heard you guys are being exposed to that more in california with the pe being taken away right and like uh because kids, I don't know, someone died on a racetrack or something like that, or in a gym class out in California not too long ago. Kid, high school collapsed or whatever, and now they're being more strict on the physical education classes out in California. Does that ring no, a bell or anything? Ring a bell, but I mean, I've, I've heard stories of that not just in California, but all over all over the United States. But yeah, it's, yeah. yeah I, you know, listen, man. I mean, maybe it's because we maybe this, these kind of things were happening when we were younger. 
but the media just wasn't as, as uh, relevant, you know, as big as it is now. I mean, you know, you have one negative story or something like that that happens. It's on Twitter and Instagram like that. We didn't have all that back then. So we didn't hear all the bad news. And, and uh, now everything's, you know, negative news and bad news. That sells. And that's what we hear most of. Yeah. Well, I think tying it back into what you were talking about earlier, um, you know, when we were talking about more about being vulnerable, right? And so, you know, if, if we're trying to downplay um, – machoism so so we, we we should we should probably specify by saying being macho isn't being a man right being macho isn't necessarily a characteristic of masculinity right you don't have to be mos- a macho to be masculine or you don't have to act like a dick to be no, a man no, no or doubt. to be masculine no right and so if you're this you know macho guy who thinks you can't open up or something like that or you're going to be looked at as a softy then that's not really a good portrayal of what a man should be anyway but i think that's really what society kind of views it and they're trying to downplay the machoism but in masculinity is being just chopped off the legs and and so the thing is is that you know finding that balance and and teaching society and educating society around this is that finding that balance of being that vulnerable man doesn't make you soft even though you may have a soft side right right especially as a father like you know i especially as a dad. Now I see something on TV where it's a, a dad and the son, or I love you this or that. I mean, not just, you know, when the drop of a hat or something, like that, but if it's a really emotional scene, I get like a little choked up because I'm looking at it as like, well, wow, that's, you know, I'm relating that back to a, you know, experience maybe that my son and I had. Right. So, but just because someone has a soft side, doesn't make them quote unquote oh, I soft. Listen, I, I consider myself right? an alpha male. Right. And, and, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like you talk about crying an emotional movie or what have you. I mean, I, as, as, uh, as a guy that's pretty confident in his manhood, I'm, I'm watching superhero movies and I'll cry at superhero movies because when I, when Iron Man died and, and, uh, and I was like, <laughs> right. So listen, I'm not, a... wait, I don't know what, what, uh, what, what are you talking about the new Avengers well, movie? Oh, you can say the spoilers now it's been out for three weeks. It's the spoiler alert's gone. I haven't, I haven't had one spoiler alert on. Oh, so that, I just ruined it for you. Didn't I? Holy shit. Well, hey, listen, listen if, you, if you haven't seen it by now, then you're an idiot. That's your fault. <laughs> I need someone to go with. It's three hours long, and my wife and does it, not and, want and to sit you, through a three-hour movie. And if you don't know that Iron Man's going to die at the end of this movie, then you're not a very avid Marvel Avengers guy anyway. Everybody knew that. Come on, man. I did not know that. I do not follow the comic books. I'm not a comic book it's guy. It's been out for a month, for crying out loud. I know. I'm just trying to find somebody to go. I refuse to go to the movies by myself. Well, my wife's already been to the Avengers one and two with me, and she fell asleep at the biggest fight scene. Well, you might want to. You might want to. Since you can edit this, you might want to dub that out then for your listeners, and they'll probably be pissed at you for allowing this. No, screw that. If it's ruined for me, it's ruined for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh well. Oh, I mean, you know what? No, the movie's not ruined for me, but I cannot believe that happens because I love. I love Tony Stark. I, I think it's just awesome. I didn't even know really anything until the very first Iron Man movie came out. I didn't even know very much about about oh, Iron yeah. Man. I just watch superhero movies just because it's it's cool. There's you know shit blowing up. Super the, the aspect of a superhero to a boy. It's like yeah, man, I want to be that guy. Well, so, that, to, to me, but, speaking of alpha males, right, or, or uh, being vulnerable. I mean, to me, I think Tony Stark is a great example of a guy that's uh, that's. The, the alpha male type you know and i think you've seen him grow through his mm-hmm. through the series of marvel avengers like when he the first iron man movie you know he's just this cocky arrogant prick he was all by himself you know working all the women the whole deal and you're like just mm-hmm. rich and a playboy and you know you're like that's kind of a you can tell there's a lot of uh issues with this guy internally you, you know he's overcompensating with a lot of ego Right. And as you see him go through the, you know, the movies, movie after movie after movie, he meets Pepper Potts. He falls in love. And you see this transition from a guy that's, uh, you know, cocky and arrogant to a guy that's truly confident in love with a woman and becomes the guy that ends up saving all of humanity. Right. Like that, to me, that's a guy you saw a transition of a guy who was kind of a boy, a childish boy that was kind of a douchebag, like the macho douchebag that really wasn't confident mm-hmm. to a guy that really turned it out to be confident. And what was interesting as a guy that's experienced anxiety and depression in um, in one of the middle movies as Iron Man, I think it was Iron Man 2, 
three. Tony Stark had anxiety. He was like getting depression and anxiety, right? And I think yep. a lot of that was probably because of this internal struggle he has of trying to, you know, be somebody he's not. And then he finally gets over it. He, you know, he's with Pepper Potts and he knows who he is and what he has to do. And he's an Avenger now and he's got a purpose. And I just think it's really cool to see how he transformed from that douchebag guy to a true leader, uh, not only you know for the avengers i mean he was the guy for the avengers all these guys had superhero powers like god powers this guy was just a man yeah yeah <laughs> right with just a lot of money right. and right suit. right <laughs> kind of like yeah, batman superpowers he's rich <laughs> right, right, yeah exactly right. his ego got him in trouble when he created ultron but that's that's a whole other thing but um yeah i mean that's that's a great example so i just feel like we you know, how, how do we put that message in a society where it's like, all right, hey, we're not trying to, ch- you know, the, the goal is to, to chop masculinity down. It's to educate people on how to actually be a man. And being a man doesn't mean being a macho asshole. Right. Right. And that's and that's the message, I think, that's lacking. That's the differential. Uh, it's the differential piece that's missing in that whole explanation is that you're not trying to act like this guy who's walking around, who's the tough guy walking around puffing his chest out all the time. And that's not necessarily always what the alpha male is. You know, the alpha male is just someone who, you know, kind of like what you're doing on Twitter, right? You stand up for what you believe in. You're, you're unapologetically voicing your opinion. Um, and you know, not being, uh, not being a, a douche about it right. really, you know, I mean, you know, people that their opinions wrong and this and that, you know, you have to look at the characteristics of an alpha male. So I, I you know, I, I love that. And you know what? And before I know we're, we're coming up on our time here, but you had told me that you do something really cool with your boys in that you, uh, you don't, you don't do the G movies. You don't do the PG movies. What, what do you, uh, what do you do with your <laughs> yeah, boys? Man. Um, it, I just find it hilarious. You know, you, these, these, uh, dads or parents that take their kids to school and they're listening to baby shark, you know, and the kids are like, Eight oh, or God, don't I mean, get me started on not baby only shark. are you making your kid insane, I think quietly, but it's making you insane, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like uh, my my young, listen, I tell my kids all the time, we play violent video games. You know, we play, uh, you know, what was it uh, Call of Duty last the other night? Um, we've watched all the superhero movies, even Deadpool, right? And oh, and they're, and they're wow. ten and eight, right? <laughs> and uh, we listen to Eminem, and my young man, my ten year old's a, a rapper, and you know what he got? You know, he goes around and I, he raps to people um, like at restaurants and stuff. We go up to tables and just rap it and they, they love it. You know, they just enjoy it. He's so confident. And, and um, you know, as I think, I think, you know, we get, we try to cuddle kids too much. When I, when I was growing up as a kid, you know, I watched HBO with my mom and I was really young and, you know, HBO, it was, I was watching the rated R movies and, and you know, I just didn't, I, I don't believe that what we what we expose our kids as long as we are a part of it now if kids are going off sneaking behind your back and and watching these things because you forbid it all the time then they're going to have this but if you're in watching deadpool with them or you're listening to eminem with them and you let them know like listen just because you're listening to this doesn't mean you can use that language it doesn't mean you can be that way and what's funny is my 10 year old is doing a uh, he's going to be at a banquet in two weeks because he won the most inspirational kid award at his school. And that's wow. out of all the kids in his school, which is about, you know, over a thousand kids. He won the most inspirational kid. Here's a kid that watches Deadpool with his dad. Here's a kid that listens to rap and, and plays deadly video games. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's all about how you raise them. It's not about what, you know, it's not, don't use that excuse. Like, well, you know, I'm going to watch have my kid, you know, watch uh, G rated Disney movies. And, deep down inside these kids just aren't really learning about what the real world is i think if you if you shelter them too long even when they're younger they're going to rebel i mean i believe when my kids mm-hmm. get to that age where it's time to go have a beer at like 13 14 i'll give them a beer at camping you know so it's not such mm-hmm. a big mm-hmm. deal right I, you know that, yeah. for me it was such a big deal to my mom and you know whenever i got out to party i started i became a binge drinker for a while there because oh my gosh this mm-hmm. is forbidden fruit right so that, yeah. that, that, that's yeah, we that's actually, um, that's my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's, it's interesting. We, we haven't done, we've, we've watched PG 13 movies with them, you know, a little bit more. I mean, no, nothing like crazy, you know, uh, pirates of the Caribbean. There's a lot of action in that. And he's not scared by 
really anything so far. He's dying to watch Halloween, the original Halloween. I'm like, nah, <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're a little too young. I mean, he's six, you know what I mean? So I was actually going to ask you, when did you start that with them? And then I agree with you about the, um, you know, the, you know, like something with the alcohol, you know, cause actually my parents did that, you know, you have a little wine here and there, or, you know, you want a little sip of beer, you know, I'd be outside with my dad grilling. Cause I grew up in Philly in the city and, you know, we're outside back out back barbecuing and my dad would give me a sip here and there. And it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal to me when I, when I got older, like the curiosity was taken away from me and it was because it was more part of it, you know, Italian family, you have a little bit of wine with dinner, not a lot, but you know, a couple sips as a, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old, we go out to dinner. My mom's got a whiskey sour or something. I got to take a little sip, you know, Hey, you want to try it? And we do the same thing with my son, you know? And so it's, taking that curiosity away from him. He'll, he'll hear some adults, some of our friends will, you know, drop like, you know, they'll say like, Oh shit or something yeah. like that. And he'll, he'll just look over at me and be like, eh. you know, like he knows the word. We don't say it here around the house. You know, that's, we, we're, we're pretty careful with what we say around mm-hmm. him, you know, cause we don't want him to think like, that's how you should talk or that's the, these are the words that you need to use, or it's cool to do that as an adult. Um, so we do, we, you know, we, we scale back, you know, what we say sometimes around the house, but, you know, he'll hear it from somewhere else and he'll, he'll know. And there'll just be like that look between him and I, like that unspoken, like, he's like, all right, I know I'm not supposed to say it, but I call you know, I heard what he said, you know, type deal. So when did you start that with the movies with your, with your kids? Uh, probably when uh, my, probably when they turned it, my, probably when they're eight, my oldest was eight when we started doing that. So just yeah, recently, cause your, yeah. your oldest, your youngest right, is right. eight, right? Just, yeah, I wouldn't even, even my oldest, when he was watching, hey, my six-year-old, I wouldn't let him get into that yet. And don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. whenever it comes on like a sex scene with Deadpool, I, I fast forward that part. But like the cussing stuff, man, listen, at the end of the day, both, oh, yeah, that's both true. of yeah, my boys that. have been in big league locker rooms for a lot of years, right? You know, when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And even now when I when the Giants come to town, I'll have them in the locker room. They hear that shit all the time, right? And they, yeah. they even yeah. hear it at their schools. So listen. It, it's not you, you're never going to hide your kids from the world and to me i want them to be exposed to the world and um, you know like i said i'm a christian guy myself um i like to push the envelope um in this society because i, I think you know a lot of what the world is now um spiritually is i think the world's teaching the world that jesus came to this earth and he was kind of a wimp right and that was, he was far from it you know, and, and, uh, you know, he liked to drink some wine. He, hell, he turned water into wine, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, right. he called the Pharisees brood of vipers. Now, they didn't have cussing back then in the, you know, but I would like to think that brood of vipers is the same as calling somebody an asshole, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, listen, language is what you make of it, you know, and how you, the choices you make. I'm teaching my boys at a young age, you know, to make right decisions, you know, and be exposed. And they have, in order to make right decisions, they have to be exposed to a world that they're going to be a part of. And so to me, that makes more sense than guarding them from a fake world that doesn't exist and playing Elsa's, you know, music from the movie, whatever that is. And, and you know, that's just not the real world. The real world we live in is, you know, it's it's got some it's got some harsh language. It's got some crazy stuff that happens. And, you know, I think the younger you get them exposed to that and, and be truthful with them, the better off they'll be. Yeah. But then teach them the right from wrong, 1, right? So I mean, you like like you mentioned that you listen to Eminem with your son, but when he goes up to take people in the restaurant and start rapping with them, he's not, you know, he's not using the same language. Eminem, no, he like never he does. Just, even 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 with yeah. me at home, he doesn't he doesn't cuss. He he just doesn't because yeah. he knows better. He knows not to do that. But but I don't yeah. mind him listening to it because that's just the world he's going to be growing up in. So you know, I'm yeah. not, and he knows me, my. my he knows I played in the big leagues. They both know that. They, they've heard baseball players talk. Dad, you usually talk like that? Yeah. Sometimes I still do. <laughs> you know? Right. So, you know, don't yeah. lie to them. That's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, that's true, too. All right. Well, I know we got to get going. So, um, but before we end the interview, as we do with every episode, um, I have 10 questions for you that were, uh, that I always, that I liked adding in that were inspired by James Lipton and Bernard Pivot. So, you ready to yeah, go? Yeah, buddy. All right, man. Number one, who was your hero? My hero growing up was my mom. Uh, she just, you know, like I said earlier, she grew up without my dad there and raised my sister and I all by herself. Nice. What excites you? Uh, to me, me, uh, to me, just uh, I think my podcast I got right now excites the crap out of me. Um, but uh, more importantly, I think family-wise, my my kids, coaching my kids, excites me and seeing them grow what turns you off um unconfident women 
<laughs> and 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 too what many you... selfies of women. Too many women selfies. Can't stand it. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite sound? The sound of my kids laughing. Mine too. My son. Not your kids. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a little weird, Jim. Yeah, definitely weird. What is your least favorite sound? I, whenever I hear the um, nails on the chalkboard, if I hear that, I'm, I'm just oh, I'm over it. I can't take it. What is your favorite quote or saying? If the dream is big enough, the odds don't matter. Nice. I like that. Who said that? Do you know? That was a motivational speaker I heard. Um, uh, Les Brown said it in a motivational talk uh, that I heard on YouTube. I don't even think he said it. he was quoting another motivational speaker, but I can't remember who it was, but I didn't care. I loved it. Absolutely. In a couple words, what should a dad be? Fully engaged. Nice. And in a couple words, what should a dad not be? Uh, deadbeat. <laughs> if you could try any other profession, what would it be? Probably an actor. Okay. I could cool. bring some conservative values to the Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some of the guests that you have on your podcast uh, will be able to help you out. With Possibly. That. And finally, what would you like to be remembered for? Um, for? To leave a legacy for my kids because I didn't have that growing up with my dad. So, you know, like I said earlier, that's my biggest mission on this. I want to one day put my head on my deathbed and know that I gave my kids, my boys, the best, greatest opportunity to be, to not struggle mentally the way I did growing up. Very nice. Aubrey, tell everybody where they can find out more about you, your podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll put all the links in there below, but I want yeah, to man, just launch you. Pod- where, where do you want everybody to yeah, find just you? Launched the podcast. Uh, it's called off the cuff with Aubrey Huff. Just launched it two weeks ago. And um, we're going to have two episodes out right now. They just got approved by Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and you can go on there and, and uh, check it out. I'm on Instagram at Huff daddy 76. I'm on Twitter where I'm a little bit more confrontational. <laughs> At Aubrey <laughs> underscore Huff, and uh, I'm on Facebook at Huff Daddy Dog, but I'm not very active on Facebook. I think it sucks. And your website, too. My website is www.aubreyhuff.com. Awesome. Slash off the cuff with, I think, some dashes in there, but the link to the podcast is right there, so they can find that That's there, right. too. Awesome. Aubrey, thank you so much for coming on the Warrior Dads podcast. We really yeah, appreciate 100%, it. Man. Loved it's everything you on, said. It's great talking with you. Thanks, man. You, too. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments, and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well. Thanks again, and keep on being a Warrior Dad.